13. And the reason we're in Matthew 13 is because of my friend Dave. My friend Dave, when I was 18 and a half years old, I got saved. He was raised loosely Catholic. And when I asked him about spiritual things as I was pondering the Lord, he said, look, <laughs> that was my, uh, the witness that he gave me because he wasn't a Christian. He was a great guy, but he didn't know Jesus. And after I had that conversation with him, I got saved. And within weeks, I was just like pouring out with wanting to talk to him about the scriptures, and uh, he was mildly uh, not interested. Uh, (laughs) And at some point, severely not interested. However, later on, he did ask Jesus to be his Savior. And then he also would say to me what many of you and I have said ourselves and many people we talk to, I just don't understand it when I read the Bible. How many of you have said that? I just can't understand the Bible when I read it. You should look around. It was at least half, if not more. And those of you who didn't say that are lying. Uh, So you must have said it sometime when you were reading some section, and people go and start reading Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and, you know, right off the bat, and they're, like, totally confused and with, with some reason. Let's face that. He says, I just don't understand when I read it. You know, and, and after, uh, people, after they read a few difficult passages, they can easily get, we can easily get a mental block. You read a few difficult passages that you just don't get, and it, it beats on you. It's kind of like eighth grade algebra for me. You know, when I got into algebra and I hit a spot that I wasn't quite getting, I kind of, my brain shut off. I was just not a math guy. And I don't think I was passionately wanting to be a math guy. Um, So there's this parable that Jesus tells that many of us have been through and we allude to many times. It will not make someone understand everything. But it will open a door, I believe, for discipleship to someone to help them understand things they can. And now, beyond that, um, its meaning is so direct, and it's so great, but there are some things that I would tell Dave. I would say, Dave, I know there's things that are hard to understand, but why don't you go through this parable with me. Let's read a chapter in the Bible together, and let's talk about it. And you might think, oh, Rick just started preaching to him, yakking to him, my natural state. And not necessarily a bad thing when it's the right moment. Give people what they need to hear. On the other hand, I didn't. I asked him to read And always, if you're with somebody and you can get them to read it out loud for you, for them, instead of just you, that's better. And and to ask them questions. But before that, I said, listen, there's some things hard to understand, but we can understand more than we think. Let's look at a story Jesus told together and see what we can learn. And we're going to pray first because, and I didn't put this up on the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 11 through 14 talks about the Holy Spirit has to reveal to us the things of the Spirit to help us understand. 
that does not mean that no one can understand any words in the Bible or get any points from the Bible. It means they can't discern spiritually what God's doing in their heart and how it's penetrating them and what to allow the Word of God to do in their heart. And I'm not even sufficiently explaining that, but we don't need to have, you don't have to have everything down to take someone who knows nothing, who's feeling a wall, and help them break down the wall. Are you with me? Like you would training somebody about anything. You would not lay all of it on them and say, here, put this all together, even though you've never been a part of doing an engine. You know, they've never turned a screw. You know, you might want to show them how to use a screwdriver or a drill. We can understand more than we think, but we do need the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and minds. But I wouldn't necessarily, like, that's a whole discussion. So I'm not going to have that discussion with you right now, and I wouldn't have that discussion with Dave unless that was like what we needed to talk about. I say that because when you talk with someone who doesn't know and says, I don't understand the Bible, you'll start to say something to them, and they'll go, yeah, but what about the pygmies in uh, South America or, what, or wherever they are, Australia? What about, nothing against you guys. <laughs> what about this? What about that? Are you with me? you know and and you know you're not going to be able to follow all of that and you you could get you're going to share with them you open the bible to share a scripture with them you want there's something you really want to share with them and they take the conversation and just fly away and you and every time you get together it's basically the same you never get anywhere or and then they don't want to talk about it well this won't alleviate all that but if you say, let's do this exact thing, and then you stick to it carefully. I mean, you can vary, but say, that's a great question. Let's, can I, I can't answer that right now because that would take some time, but this, this might help you get there. You know, just be a little bold and kind, but don't get them to focus. Amen? Okay. So we can understand more than we think, so let's read it. Dave, why don't you read verses 1 through 9? On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. If we were in, let me interrupt myself, I would do this. If we were in New King James... Right now, I'd probably be an NIV or something with somebody like that. But I would say, a sower, this is just a farmer went out to plant seeds, right? You hold a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside pathway. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, a parable, Dave, is a story that makes a point about something spiritual, but it's not exact allegory. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say all that to Dave, but I wanted Dave here with me. 
to tell you a parable, when people get into parables and try to match every single detail and make it fit exactly to a life situation, it's a mistake. And you get lost, and you start making up doctrines in the Bible. It's a story that tells a story, and it's the simplest part of it, the clearest part of it is what you grasp, and it doesn't have to be exactly everything. An allegory is where every part of it represents a specific thing, and there's a difference between a parable and an allegory. And I'm not going to go much further with that right now. You can think about it later. You can look it up. You can ask about it. And so it's not exact details, but it tells a spiritual truth. The farmer is planting seeds, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> he didn't do that. But what happened to the seeds? That's my question. I want him engaged. I want him engaged in what he just read. What, what happened to the seeds? Well, they went different places in different parts of the ground, right? Is there anything that you understand from this section? Before you tell this person everything you want to tell them, you find out what they do understand. And if you ask them that question, they might say, no, I mean, I'm not a farmer. I don't even... They might. But they might say... Well, yeah, you know, I have a garden. I know what that's like. There's things that grow and things that don't. There's good ground and bad ground. You don't know what they're going to say. You're ready because you've got the Scripture right in front of you. Give them a chance to say what happens to the seed. They go to different places. And in this case, we're going to wait to answer the full meaning. Do you know why? Pardon? Because it's there. Because we're not done reading And later on, Jesus is going to explain it himself. But it's okay to say, yeah, we don't get this right now. And and, and it says, but but what you can understand in the key in verses 1 through 9, there is something there that I want to bring out to him. Do you notice what Jesus said at the end of this parable? He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Is that significant? We don't understand the whole farmer deal. We don't know the whole story yet. We're not figuring it all out. But he said something significant that you can say, wow. Because you hear the same statement in our own terminology, in our own vernacular all the time. You know, what does that mean? We don't, we don't know all what this means yet, but what can we know from this statement? Dave, today, what do people say instead of his, he that has ears to hear, let them hear? What do people say sometimes? It's not an easy one, huh? Do you really want to hear? Do you really want to know? Isn't that what people say all the time? Isn't that what wives say to their husbands like 20 times a day? Or at least 20 times a year, because that's how often the guy... But anyway, <laughs> do you really want to know? Do you really want to know? Now, I'm not just teaching Dave here. Of course, I'm I'm in front of you right now, and you and me are people who need to ask ourselves, do I really, really, really want to know? Don't kid yourself. That's a penetrating question. 
Because the answer might be for some people in this room right now, kind of, sort of, or depends on what it is that we're talking about, whether I really want to know. Because there's things that I know that I want that if they're in conflict with the... You see, the difference between a Christian and a non-believer in the eternal is salvation. Eternal, you're saved. The difference in behavior and thought process is only different if you're trusting in the Lord. A Christian who is not trusting in the Lord is functioning as a non-believer. That's, that's what's happening. I don't find it like, oh, I don't know how to talk to non-believers. Well, do you know how to talk to a Christian who's not trusting God? Yeah, it's the same thing. The details are important, salvation. But the details that you're normally talking to people about and what you go through, everybody else goes through. So we're on level playing field in that regard, even if we know more. Friend, if you're here today and you're not walking in a walk of faith and trusting the Lord, you are living basically as a non-believer. doesn't mean you're unsaved, but you're not benefiting in your life, in your spiritual life, and there's a reason that you're not wanting to get closer and know God better, that it's still just religion to you and doing what you're supposed to do when you have to. And it's going to be that way for you until you decide you really want to know. Well, that was an aside, which will happen occasionally here today. But what can we really know? Do you really want to know? This is about listening and hearing properly, having ears to hear. And I would ask him, I'd say, you've probably spoken to people where there was an issue that you knew was extremely clear to you, but they were unwilling to listen or hear. Has everybody here been through that? Okay, so I've got a connection to him to this, even though it's not the exact point of the parable yet, but it's a part of the point. So then the question is immediately, are we truly wanting to listen? So now sometimes here I will say to you, are you, as I'm teaching. But if I'm talking with someone, I say, hey, Dave, here's what you and I. I don't spend my time, you need to do this. You need to see this. You need to be like this. You need to understand this, Dave. Even if I say it quietly and calmly, I'm still putting him apart from me. But if I'm pulling him with me, I'm saying, you know what we need to do, Dave? You know what this says to you and me? I can't stress to you how valuable that is in in a relationship with somebody that you're trying to reach. It breaks the guard down sometimes and lets them feel like you're with them, not pointing at them. Just helpful if it helps you. So, Now, you could discuss the Word was made flesh, John chapter 1, and dwelled among us, the Word of God. There's There's a whole thing to share about Jesus being the Word of God. The seed is the Word. Jesus is, he and, you know, the Holy Spirit in you. I'm staying away from that right here, right? I can only do one thing at once, right? So, you know, I'm trying to stay focused on the parable to get through this next part. So then I move on, and that's hard for me. (laughs) 10 through 17. And Dave, would you read that? Okay. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. 
Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Dave, Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet uh, from hundreds of years earlier. Is fulfilled, which said, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the heart of this people has grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they've closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Well, this is the part you would normally want to skip over because it's difficult. Amen? True? It's a little bit challenging. For a brand new person, like I don't get it. Like, why would he close their ears, and why does he only let these guys know and all that? And like so many things in the Bible, if you just keep reading, how many answers to our questions come when we read the next chapter or the next section? Not all of them. But you're there with them. And you might even just say, so does this seem fair to you? No, I don't get it. And we could go on to the questions that could come up. You can see those questions. Well, would you notice this, Dave? We're reading what Jesus is going to explain to his disciples. You're reading it. The Old Testament prophets spoke about the people's hard hearts and closing their eyes and won't listen, and that's their problem. Jesus is confirming that, but he's not done yet. Because every word here that he says to his disciples about this story, at least what we have, he's going to explain it to them, and then they're going to write it down. And Jesus, what we read in the Bible is not every conversation Jesus had with every person. It isn't every teaching he did. He doubled up on some of those. How many times did he share the Sermon on the Mount? Only that day on that mountainside? We don't know. John tells us that there's many other things Jesus said and Jesus did that the books of the world wouldn't be enough to fill with all the things he said and did. So it's giving us a snapshot, like a still picture in the middle of a movie. And it's not done yet. So we're reading what he's going to explain to his disciples. He's been speaking and healing and feeding thousands the religious leaders are rejecting him. The crowds are them like these disciples are looking for real answers. Like you are, Dave. Are you looking for real answers? Because if you are, let's keep reading. None of them understood right away, and none of us will understand right away. We can't, to you, we can't completely explain everything. To a new person. And some of us may feel less competent to explain certain sections than others that we're not clear on ourselves. That's okay. You do not have to be a Bible scholar to share what you know and to give someone some help and confidence. Well, let's just leave that then, since let's just say we don't fully understand that right now, Dave. Let's keep reading. 18, therefore, hear the parable of the sower, the seed planter. 
When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown, planted in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only because of the word. Immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred times, sixty times, and thirty times. I changed the word to times just because I'm telling you that. So therefore, hear or understand, Jesus says. So we see that available to everybody from then on who would ever listen to Jesus and through his disciples would be the answer to the questions that are posed in the first part. would hear and understand. Those who would stick around until they do understand. And I might say to Dave, you know, Dave, I've been with a lot of people, well, I hadn't been with a lot of people then. I was only been with the Lord about a year or two then. I had already been with a lot of people, actually, because of the group that I got in and street witnessing, but, but I couldn't say the same way I could say today. <laughs> I've been with a lot of people, and that's really, there's, the difference is those who will stick around until they understand. Those who will, hang, who will hang in there until God opens their hearts, hearts and eyes and lets them see. There's kind of a process you've got to go through, and... That's going to be a question for you. Forcing him to come to the conclusion of what he's going to do. That's not my job. I'm not carrying the weight of Dave's salvation on my shoulders endlessly. I care. I'm doing this because I care. But I'm not the answer. And I don't have to have him respond well to me. It'd be nice. It'd be especially nice for him. Yeah. So... Many people give up trying if they don't understand immediately. I hope that you don't do that. Jesus explains that the seed is the word of God. It's the same in every case, right? There's the seed going here, the seed going here, the seed going here, the seed going here. Is the seed different at any point? No. What's the difference? The ground. Okay. The ground is the hearts of men types of ground. The fruit that he talks about is like the results, spiritual results in the lives of people who allow the word of God to penetrate their heart. So I might ask him questions about this. And on the wayside, the pathway is people who don't understand. And Dave, whether you get this or not, whether you like this or not, whether you think this is weirdo of me or whatever, I can show you many places in the Bible that you have an enemy. You have an enemy who does not want you to understand God's word. He says the enemy, Satan, comes. We can talk about what powers he has and doesn't have later. He doesn't sit on your shoulder personally. I can show you why that, how this works later on. If you have questions about that, and I'm sure you do, we can talk about that. But for the moment, Jesus 
the Messiah, Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible is saying that you have an enemy. I wouldn't yell and get loud and boisterous. Dave, <laughs> you get it? No wonder he ran away. Um, but <laughs> no, Dave, you have an enemy who wants to keep you from letting the word of God get in your heart. And the rest of these, couple more of these are going to show you ways that he works. And really, I think any person can be any one of these soils along the way and change. But for now, let's just look at it. So do you want that to happen, that before you even get started, the enemy takes away what God's trying to put in your heart? No. Good. Doesn't have to. Keep reading. So on the stony places, the shallow soil, that's about people who get excited, and getting excited is good, but getting excited alone is not enough. Getting excited for a moment at an experience or an event and being drawn into all of that is not enough. Because there was rocks in the soil, the seed didn't go deep, it was shallow, and just like a plant that you can pull out easily in your yard, that's what happens, the sun came out and burned it. The same sun that melts wax hardens clay. Which heart do you have? Does the heat of trouble just make you get harder and harder and more distant from God? You can blame God all you want. He told you it's about your heart. Everybody says, and this is just to you, I want to be my own person. I want to have my own identity. I want to be me. And we're all big on meism. And then God says, okay, you get to be an individual person who makes a decision thing. And, and then we're immediately look, looking around for a way to get off the boat and go with everybody else because their life is easier, because they say this or that, or because we don't want to face, this is human nature is what I'm talking about. We don't want to make a stand personally for all the big talk we do about being an independent individual person, when we get a chance to be individually following Jesus as an individual person, no matter what anybody else does, we look for excuses to do what everybody else does because it looks easier. Now, that's human nature. I'm not picking on anybody. But if that's you, that's, your nature is the same as mine. And brother or sister, you and I need to figure out what God's trying to say to us because the only person you're fooling Will they be your friends in 20 years from now? Are they going to be the identity of your life 20 years from now, the people you hang out with? I hope so if it's a good thing and they grow in Christ and you do and you have solid, strong relationships. But the odds are no if you're a young person is that you're not going to be with these people forever. You're going to be with you forever. That's who you're going to be with. There's no getting away from you. Young or old, that's a good message. But it's really not the point. I just took a little time off. So, <laughs> so do you want that to happen? No, good. So getting a, so the same sun melts both, melts wax, hardens clay, so the shallow depth of soil's the issue, not the adversity. This is a wonderful thing to do early with somebody. Is don't lie to them. <laughs> don't pretend. Now that you've come to Jesus, you'll be walking four feet above the ground. And here's a bologna sandwich with extra bologna. 
Dave, trouble and persecution do happen. There's one person I can promise you will never lie to you. It's the only person I know. I know there's some good people in your life that you trust, but there's only one person I know who will never lie to you, and that's Jesus. And he doesn't lie to us. He didn't tell us it would be an automatically easy road. And often someone who seems to begin to follow Jesus gives up. And would you think about this? Have you ever started to try to do something to accomplish something in your life that was really hard? Sure, yeah, I have. Did you kind of have to stick with it when it was hard in order to become good at it or get there? Yeah, I did. When I was doing X, Y, you know, whatever his story would be, learning to ski. He became a ski patrol guy and exceptional. I bet he fell down and ate a lot of snow. Maybe ate some yellow snow. I don't know. You know, just falling and whatever, you know, accidentally. But, you know, is this worth sticking with it for you? This is about your eternal destiny. Jesus said, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? That sounds kind of significant. So in almost every success story, Dave, if you read the success stories of people, what do they always have in the midst of them? Trials and adversity, they had to overcome adversity. And the person was tempted to give up, and even did for a while, and then came back. So you'll decide. You'll decide, Dave. This isn't this could be you and me, Dave. You and I have to decide, but I might get personal with them too. You'll have to decide, buddy, what your commitment is going to be to make you get further in your relationship with God and let the Word of God come into your life. That's your decision. Nobody else will make that for you. And that's a good thing to say to somebody early because that's that's the way they get saved. You know, sometimes you can get saved and you don't really know what happened. The Holy Spirit just touched you. As I've told you, the night I got saved, the entire Bible study, I remember nothing of it except a guy talking about digging ditches and filling ditches. I was sitting there the whole time going, what am I doing here? i got to get out of here. What am I doing here? i got to get out of here. And the Holy Spirit kept pushing on me. And then later that night, during a Bible study about the last days, but it, and I know what it said, but I wasn't going, oh, that's all true. I wasn't even doing that. It was the Holy Spirit was saying, I'm right here, Rick. Jesus is right here in front of you. So none of the teaching, I'm not saying we shouldn't bring people to teaching and evangelism. What I'm saying is that we think much more that our words are going to be the thing that matters when the Holy Spirit's still working beyond that. And that means you can trust him. Because when the words are really good, if it's, oh, the guy spoke so good, who could not listen? I can give you hundreds, thousands, millions, cannot listen. When somebody speaks really, really, really good, you can still, it doesn't make people listen and hear. And if somebody could go, uh, I, I love Jesus and he loves me. And somebody could fall on their face before the Lord, so I need Jesus too. But we still do the right thing, and that's to share the word of God. And he does use it. It's not always one way or the other. So now the seed among the thorns. Can you relate to this? Can you relate to this, Dave? Isn't it easy for life's problems or desires, as it says here, to keep us from having something good happen in our life, just generally? Does that ever happen to you, where you get distracted by something you really thought was important? Before you bring it to the Lord, just 
does this relate to you about anything? Does it relate to you about anything? <laughs> How many things would you have accomplished by now in your life except you got distracted, discouraged, or tempted by other stuff? I don't want to give you my list. <laughs> I do not want to give you my list. So, 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 but life's problems or desires can keep us from letting the Word of God take root in us. Dave, what things in your life would be like thorns that, and weeds that keep God's Word from developing and growing in you? That's a question that needs to be asked, and let them tell you. I'm asking you, and you know. In your life right now, you and I, we all know. If you ask me, what are the things in your life that would keep you? I don't need to, I'll get back to you in two weeks off this praying fast about it. I know, and you know, the things in your life. Do, do you? Well, he does too if you give them a chance to think about it, they might say, I don't know. They might say, I don't know. But I bet they do know. Well, if you say, I don't know, Dave, it may be that it's something to pray about and ask God. It's saying that could hinder you, and you can ask God to show you what are some things in your life that would keep his word. And I'm going to use this term, Dave, from taking authority in your life. Now, you don't have to talk like Rick Cohen. Yeah, everybody gets to be who they are and use your own personality and, and the words that God gave you. But I like explaining the, you know, see, this is about who has authority in your life. Something and someone always has authority in your life. At every moment in your life, you sitting here and me sitting here right now, something is taking authority over areas that much further. You're smart people, but even to someone who doesn't get it, it can haunt them well to think about it. We're going to have more chance to talk. I'm talking to somebody that we said, let's get together. So it's not like I met him on the street and I'm taking him. I would do it if I could on the street. But more likely, it's going to be sitting with a friend, a person you've met, and now they want to know about Jesus and you want to help them. So letting what would keep you from a commitment to follow Jesus and his word-taking authority? Can you see how there might be things that keep your faith and your knowledge from growing? I mean, we don't, do we throw seeds just indiscriminately in a garden? I remember hearing Alistair Beggs. You know who he is, Alistair? He came to a Calvary Chapel conference, and he did this parable and he goes, when he read about the throwing the seeds, all these different places, and he goes, what kind of an operation are we running here? <laughs> I always will remember that. It's like, you know, God is willing to throw those seeds everywhere and hope that they'll grow and, and, and pour them out. You know, his word goes everywhere, but he was making the point that it wasn't a typical thing. But, you know, we don't just throw seeds in a garden and say an incantation over them. We don't throw seeds all over a garden and pray, oh God, make all these seeds grow into a wonderful, well-organized garden. Yeah, you're at, well, you're, that's like magic. We believe in the supernatural power of God working, but it's not magic. You don't do an incantation. A prayer is not an incantation. Doing a right thing isn't, if I do this, then God will do this. It's like a little trick you use. 
And I might talk about that for a minute, but not necessary. So it's supernatural to grow by the Spirit, but it's not magic. You have to work the soil, remove the stones. Farmers do this, don't they? Yep. We may not understand everything in this story, but does that seem clear to you here, Dave? This is what is, you want to ask questions directly to a verse that has a clear thing and ask a clear question that brings a clear response. Are you with me? Is this helpful at all to you? Okay. Because general comments and questions, which we all do, and I do plenty of that, too much. But I love it when I can ask a very specific question with a very specific answer. Now, they, don't, they can choose not to answer or say, I don't get it, and go hazed over, but usually won't happen if they're with you at all. And plus, you trust the word to get in there. So we may not understand everything in the story, Dave, but does this seem clear here about this garden and about the seed in your heart? And if he says, I don't, I, so let me give you some examples. Here's some things that could be like the thorns or the shallow ground, both. To you. I don't have to separate those automatically. They do, they separate, but they also all work together. And and if you might the fear of what other people will think of you. How are you with that, Dave? Are you afraid of what people are going to think about you? Is that really important to you? That could stumble you, and that could cause you to not let the seed go deep. That could be a weed. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. How about getting busy and distracted by your work or your hobbies? Do I need to explain that? I don't have to explain that. Dave, is there a person in your life that has great influence with you? They're really important to you, and maybe they should be. It could be your wife. It could be a a girlfriend, a boyfriend to this person. It could be a parent or a friend who you value greatly, but they have no interest in Jesus. And they would kind of not want to see you have an interest in Jesus. Is there anybody in your life that influences you greatly that could discourage you? The man is thinking right now. He may not come to the right conclusion. He may not make a decision, but I'm giving him every chance (laughs) to see what this parable is saying to him. Dave, is there possibly a sin? There's something in your life that you absolutely know is wrong, that you're participating in. It's wrong for you, and you know it, and you know it's wrong in God's sight, even though we haven't even read much of the Bible. (laughs) You know that people do have conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts them and they know about sin. <sighs> Is there anything like that in your life that you really enjoy it and you don't want to give it up to God? And, and he's sitting there, maybe he's going, hmm, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to confide in me. I'm not there to force that. I say, look, I'm not here to force you to do anything. I'm just here to help you know clearly what you are doing. I'm going to say that again. I want you to hear it, I hope. I'm not here to force you to do anything. But I am here to help make it really clear to you 
what you are doing, what you are choosing, because you are choosing. My friends, as you sit here today, you are choosing. Some of you shut this off the moment we opened the Bible. Some of you opened up after a while. Some of you started closing at a certain point when it got too close to where you are. I have no control over that, and I'm not here to be, oh, I'm the prophet. It was this guy right here. <laughs> I'm not here to do any of that. I just know how it works. And it does, you don't have to be a genius to know how this works. Let him that has ears to hear, let him hear. Who has eyes to see, let him see. You know whether your heart's open right now or whether your heart's closing. So, I'm not here to force you to do anything, and we're just about done. The one on the good ground, though, Dave, not everybody's the same. God doesn't demand that we all have 100%, 100% times the growth, but everybody's going to grow, and maybe there's more to learn about that, about how to be the, I would rather be the one that produces 100 times than 30. Does anybody here work at a job, and you get $15 an hour, and somebody says, I have the same job for you with even better people to work for, and it's great, and it's $25 an hour, and you go, no, I don't want that. I like $15 an hour. Nobody. If all things being equal, not like, well, because it's fun there. I'm saying just just on the money, you go, well, if I can do the same thing and make twice as much or two-thirds more, I think I'll go there. I think I'll do that. So if you can have more fruit in your life, but let's not worry about how much right now. That could be something we can't determine right here. There's just one more thing I want to tell you, and it's another verse, Dave, and it goes with this issue of the ground and the things that would choke the word. And that's in the same book, Matthew, just back a little bit in chapter 6, verse 31 through 33. Or through 34, I should say. And by the way, did you notice what I did not do with you today? I didn't bounce you around to 20 scriptures. You can't do it. You can do a little bit of that with somebody, but it's like trying to catch up with your thoughts, and it's hard. Learn how to, if you're doing this with a new person, then they're so new to the word, just stay in one place. Excuse me a second. So here's something Jesus also said. He told them about their worrying about how they were going to eat, how they were going to be clothed and taken care of. And Dave, listen, in that culture, like they didn't have the options of, I'm going to go live here in this city the same way we do and uh, get all these different kinds of jobs. And, you know, my uncle, I mean, it, you know, has a business, you know, internet business in Malaysia, and I could go, it, you know, their life was very simple. And their needs were very simple. And it was very basic. Their physical needs, it was like a daily grind. Am I going to eat today? Was, you know, that's, a lot of the world still lives, come with me to Malawi. That's a bunch of the world today. 
And he says, therefore, verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass, it talks about the, you know, maybe I'd go back earlier, but for you guys, you're okay with me just going right here. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? That seems to be the issue. Verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. That meant all the people of the world. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And here's the verse I want you to see. Here's the statement Jesus made, Dave. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Dave, I think that verse goes with Matthew 13 for us here. It's, uh, we might not understand all these things, but to seek first the kingdom, do you have any idea what it means to seek God's kingdom? Not really. Well, I think what we just read in Matthew 13 is one way to say seeking God's kingdom, for le- to let the word of God take root in your heart so that he can bring forth results in your life. Is that a good starting place? Yeah, I guess that would be a good, that's, I can understand, that I can get. Okay. So, to seek, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> that means that if, if God's kingdom, let's define kingdom, and this is just a little extra, and that means a realm where a king rules. So God rules the universe, and his true kingdom will remain when all the kingdoms of men are gone. And they will be. They will be gone. So we seek God's rule over our lives even before his kingdom fully comes, because it will. But the the part that we control is very little. (laughs) But we can seek his kingdom because he told us to. And I think I'll stop right there. I had more charts, graphs. uh, No. But you see what I'm saying is let's... We need ears to hear and a heart that wants to understand. Uh, Dave, does you, do you have that? Uh, t- today your name is Dave. Even if your name is Dave, but even if your name isn't Dave, um, do you have a heart to understand? The seed doesn't change in power from person to person. It's the same seed. And uh, what I would say to Dave is, why don't we get together regularly for a while that we might... Uh, read some more and learn some more. Are you up here to do the last song? No, we won't do a last song. I, I don't know what you're up here to do. <laughs>